Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. One of the things I love about working in sports, working in broadcasting, as we react to what we see and hear, as we react to what unfolds in the sports world... It's different every night. And there are always events, outcomes, results, moments that surprise me. There really are. It it never gets stale or very rarely gets stale. And I am flat out stunned with the Phillies. It's not so much that I didn't think the Diamondbacks could win the series. Because we saw what they did all year, how they dug out of a hole, how they earned a wild card spot. They're young, they're dynamic, they've got good leadership. It's not that I thought the Diamondbacks couldn't do it. It's that the Phillies were so dominant in getting through the first two games of the NLCS. And then in winning a third game when they were on the road in Phoenix to come home to Citizens Bank Park to have that raucous, wild, edgy, full-throat stadium. Two games on your own field where you have dominated In these playoffs and in your franchise history, we talked about this, I think, through game two, that they have the best winning percentage at home in baseball history with a minimum of 20 games. Of all the teams with all their extensive playoff history, the Phillies have the best home field advantage. And yet, in two games, they managed just three total runs. And now they are on the out, the outs, the out, the outside looking in. Wow. I will readily admit I am stunned. Now, would I have bet my career or a family matter on it? Hell no. What is wrong with people? It's kind of like gambling, right? 
I would never bet my future, a family event, on something I cannot control, especially when you are a veteran broadcaster and you know how often events play out that you couldn't have predicted or seen coming. And so anyone who would make a dumb bet about his future or attending his son's first game as a coach, well, he deserves to pay up. Dumb. Absolutely the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard a broadcaster say outside of being criminal or just offensive. But this is, are you kidding me, Mad Dog? And and honestly, the Diamondbacks getting a hold of it, do you need to give athletes extra motivation? Because athletes at this level, they will take that bulletin board material and turn it into searing hot motivation. So maybe they should send Mad Dog a thank you card. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Hello. It's our hump show, middle show of the work week. I don't know how we got here. Well, I do. It's been nonstop, right, for the past few nights. And (laughs) this is really funny. It was my mom's birthday on Tuesday evening. Bob was visiting mom for her birthday, took her a couple of cakes. Oh, it was hard to not be there. I felt very left out. But mom had a visitor, and so we got on video call. And as we're talking, and I'm wishing her happy birthday and asking her how her day went, (laughs) she says, so what are you going to do tonight since there are no games? Oh, there's no games, mom? No game seven? No... Start of the NBA season. <laughs> it is. There is. She didn't realize. And then she said, I thought the, the baseball ended last night. Well, yes, for the American League. <laughs> Her response is, oh, I forgot about the other side. <laughs> so, yes, it's October. It's the fulcrum and sports never stop. But I am looking forward to... Wednesday evening, which will be a respite from baseball. World Series does not begin until Friday, and then it goes Friday, Saturday. And after that, I think it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if necessary. I think I briefly looked at the schedule, and that's what stands out. So there will be World Series potentially into November. Because, you know, Tuesday is... Halloween, next Tuesday's Halloween, a week from tonight. And the games are going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday into November, which would explain why Major League Baseball's stacking them up. Finally got our back-to-back game sevens, and in neither case did the home team prevail. Wow. But also, I'm okay with not having a rematch of last year. Give me some fresh blood, baby. We know that the Rangers have never won a World Series in their history. And they're only there for the third time, not since 2011, before this year. And how about the Arizona Diamondbacks? Reaching the World Series for just the second time in their franchise history, which only stretches back about a quarter of a century. But getting there for the first time since 01. So more than 20 years They've had some brutal seasons. Was it 
two years ago, they lost 110 games, something like that. They've been a mess. Rangers, six straight losing seasons before this year. And two years ago, lost over 100 games. So this is a pretty surprising matchup. And this is what I want to ask you. And I feel like we've got some fairly prevalent examples just in the last few months. But I'll leave it to you. And this is your opinion, right? I'm not asking you based on sports history, what you've read. To you, what's another stunning upset that rivals Diamondbacks over Phillies? And yeah, you can be a Diamondbacks fan and say you knew it all along, but you'd be lying. It is definitely an upset. It's definitely a stunner. And good for the Diamondbacks. So on Twitter, A-Law Radio. On our Facebook page, too. What's another upset that completely caught you off guard? Another upset that you never saw coming? That's a good question. What's another upset in sports that you never saw coming? Because that way it's personal. And producer Jay will put up a post on our show Twitter as well as Facebook. You know what's really funny? We have two polls still ongoing. We've been all about the polls. It's been a poll type of a week here on After Hours. And so we've got two polls that are still running. One from the NFL. Which team is worthy of more worry? The Niners or the Bills? That one runs for another hour. And then if you haven't yet voted for TD of the week, that poll is also ongoing. Both of those on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on my Twitter, A-Law Radio, and on our Facebook page. We're getting a lot of traffic on our social media this week, and it's October, which means there's just so much happening. And so now, right in, in this last few days of October, you have all four major team sports operating at the same time. It doesn't happen in any other month with games that count. So you can vote for TD of the week to wrap up week seven. Oh my gosh, we're going into week number eight. Week number eight on Thursday. Are you ready for this matchup? The Bucks, who just dropped back-to-back games at home and I think scored a half a point total. On the road at the Bills. Who better not go the first three quarters without scoring or they could lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. I guess, and and this fits Josh Allen's personality. I guess if you're Buffalo, you just want to get right back the heck on the field. Like, let's, let's go. Let's get this nasty taste out of our mouths. So we have a lot to get to on this edition of the show. But as you find our social media, I would love to... See, well, I I shouldn't be seeing them ahead of time. Producer Jay would love to see your questions for Ask Amy Anything. So you can find each of those posts on our social. And while I'm talking about social, I just want to say thank you, thank you for all of your sweet messages for mom's birthday. I did tell her that she even though she's not on social media. She uses my Facebook page, which is funny, but she's not on social media. I did put a post up on Twitter for her birthday 
and you all were very kind to respond. So you can check that out. Here, I'll retweet it one more time just so peeps can see it because my mom's beautiful and you get to know a little bit about her in my recent tweet. Also, that photo was taken the day before my first date with Bob. No joke. It was taken the day before my first date with Bob. So mom and I are all smiles and had no idea how life was about to change. <laughs> but we were smiling before and we're smiling now. So yeah, check it out on, on Twitter. I'll uh, have Jay put it up on Facebook for you as well. For those of you who only monitor the FB. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Man, some good stuff tonight that we can sink our teeth into. Not just the upsets that you never saw coming. But how about Jim Ursay running his mouth and the NFL is fuming. Owners who make up the NFL. It's an oligarchy. It's little kingdoms all over the all over the country. They're supposed to keep certain info and intel to themselves. They've got a code. Well, and they've got rules, like actual rules that they have to follow as owners. This is how they circle the wagons. But Jim Mersey doesn't care. And he's so ticked off at the way the final drive for the Browns unfolded on Sunday that he took to Twitter to say the league, are you ready for this, quote, admits and understands that two calls at the end of the Colts' loss to the Browns were incorrect. So Ursay puts this post out there on Tuesday night and is probably referring to the two calls against cornerback Daryl Baker. We talked about them Sunday, the whole uncatchable ball thing. These two calls helped move the Browns closer, extended the last drive. Remember, they scored the game winner with, was it 15 seconds to go, the Kareem Hunt touchdown? Well, second Kareem Hunt touchdown. And so the Colts were following up with officials. This is a privilege that owners have. They can get clarification from the league. The league does go through and review every single snap and every single call every single weekend. I'm not sure if you know that, but officials are graded on every snap of every play in every game every week. We know this from Gene Steratore. And so the NFL does grade its officials and keep track of where officials have screwed up. And teams obviously have the right to lodge complaints or to get clarification. And so the Colts were supposed to be following up with the NFL, wanted to follow up with the NFL about those flags late in the game against the Browns. And... Then Jim Ursay puts out his post. Now, you may remember that on that final drive by Cleveland, there was a sack and a fumble 
that was recovered by Indy. So that would have changed possession, and the Browns would no longer have had the football. Instead, there was an illegal contact. A flag that was thrown for illegal contact. And it was a judgment call, of course, because that's what illegal contact is. Depending upon 10 people that you ask, five would say it was incidental. Five would say it was on purpose. It was meant to impede his progress. And then there was a pass interference penalty, which is where the uncatchable ball argument came in. So Jim Mersey's ticked. The Colts are ticked. They think they got jobbed, and now Jim Mersey is saying, yeah, the NFL admits and understands that two calls at the end of the game were incorrect. Okay. <laughs> Jim Mersey decided to blow up the NFL this week. Um, we don't always agree. <laughs> He's just in a bad mood because the rookie quarterback that he wanted to draft is not available the rest of the way. I don't I don't even pretend and and nor should we pretend that every call is right in any sport at any time. They're human beings and some of them are judgment calls, right? But for me, the calls are never so lopsided that they change the outcome of a game number 1, number 2. I think to blame officials for the results of a game is actually disrespectful and insulting to the athletes and the coaches who are out there who really do determine the outcomes. I've said it a bazillion times in my career, and I'll say it a bazillion more. No game ever comes down to a flag or even two flags. It's not that simple. There are 60 minutes for each team out there to affect the outcome of the game. The Colts gave up a lot of points to that to that stretch. And my God, are we forgetting that Gardner Minshew had four turnovers? I mean, stop it. How can you blame the officials? You may not like the flags, but they're judgment calls. Even if the NFL admits, quote unquote, that they were incorrect. There were four freaking turnovers in that game for the Colts. But you're going to blame those two flags? Just, it bothers me that people forget all the other moments in a game that the players can control. And yet so often the complaining is about moments they can't control. Flags they can't control. Anyway, Jim Irsay is likely to get a sternly worded memo from the commissioner's office. (laughs) Ah. Never a dull moment. All right, so we're off and running. It's our hump show, middle show of the work week. Already getting your responses to our question of the night. What's another stunning upset that rivals Diamondbacks over Phillies? And this is from your perspective, an upset that you never saw coming. What's one upset that blew you away? You still can't believe it. Giants over the Patriots in 07, anyone? Anyone? I'm sure there are people out there that still can't believe it. And thank you for all of your sweet messages about mom's birthday. She's got a big year ahead of her.
<laughs> She's paying for a wedding and all. She finally gets a son-in-law for a birthday. Told her for years. Mom, at some some point, I'll be able to give you the gift of a son-in-law. And as it turns out, mom's the one that gave me the gift. <laughs> Since she introduced me to him. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. And a ground ball toward third. Let's see if they can get two. They get the out at second. They do not get the out at first. The run scores. Carroll crosses the plate. On the fielder's choice, Marino erased at second base for out number two. Walker Regis gets an RBI, and it's one of the D-backs. Bohm swings, lines it deep left field, and that will tie the game. Alec Bohm blasts one to left. It's 1-1. That is what the Phils desperately needed. Alec Bohm with his first home run this postseason, and what a time for it here in Game 7. A 1-2 again, and a swing and a line drive, left center field. This is up the alley. It's a base hit. It's going to one-hop the fence and go to the wall. Bohm is coming around third. They'll wave him to the plate. The throw is not in time, and Bryson Stott has put the Phillies in the lead. It's 2-1 here at the bottom of the fourth. Getting you to the good half of your week. It's the Hump Show on After Hours. Greg Schulte on Diamondbacks Radio. And then Scott Fransky, Tom McCarthy on Phillies Radio. And yeah, the Diamondbacks struck again first, but the Phillies came back. What a moment for Alec Bohm with that home run in the second. And then he comes around and scores the second run for the Phillies when they take the lead on the Bryson Stott RBI in the fourth. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Do you remember? Do you recall? Were you watching when the Phillies left the bases loaded in the fourth? They left ducks on the pond. There was a lot more out there for the Phillies in that fourth inning. But credit Brandon Fott, who had his brothers in the stands. They'd made a road trip from Kentucky to be in Philadelphia for game seven. And he pitches through four innings. He allows a couple runs on four hits. He strikes out seven. And that was a great escape for him and for the Diamondbacks, who left the bases loaded in the fourth. 
The stadium was wild. Pent up emotion. Just waiting to lose it. And oh gosh, it was so loud on the Boehm home run and then the Stott RBI. The stadium doesn't have a top, but if it did, it was coming off. But then listen to this next clip. Because the Diamondbacks wasted no time with their own answer. Carroll swings, ground ball, base hit center field. Rivera rounding third. He will score. And on Carroll's third hit of the night, he ties the game at two. Swing and a base hit right field. Carroll rounding third. Castellanos charging. We're going to have a play at the plate. The throw is cut off. Carroll scores. Moreno in a rundown. And he tried to juke out the first baseman, Harper. The put out there will go 9-3-4, but the Diamondbacks take the lead. Oh, well, you can hear behind that clip with Greg Schulte on Diamondbacks Radio that it's gotten a lot quieter. And as the game progressed, after the Diamondbacks retake the lead there in the fifth, and as chance by chance falls by the wayside for the hometown team, you can hear that stadium get quieter, if it makes sense. They get nervous. They get tense. And I'm sure at some point, the dread sets in. The Diamondbacks pitching, even following Fott, was brilliant. Do you know, after Fott left the mound and Tori Lovello brought in multiple guys out of the bullpen. The Phillies managed one more hit in the final five innings of this game seven in their own ballpark. The Phillies managed one more hit off the D-backs bullpen. Wow. That's stunning. Considering how loud these bats were for the first two games at Citizens Bank Park. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. The numbers are gaudy. I'll tell you that. One for 10 with runners in scoring position. Actually, I shouldn't say gaudy. They're they're stunning. They're anemic. Not that the Diamondbacks were much better, but they got enough. And the bullpen slammed the door. So one for 10 with runners in scoring position. And I know that I had mentioned the game six numbers last night because they also stood out to me. So if you combine game seven with what we saw in game six in the last two games, both closeout opportunities for the Phillies on their own field with that electric atmosphere, they go two for 17 with runners in scoring position. They hit so many opportunities. They left 14 guys on base. And I'm sure it was frustrating to see it happen over and over again, but you have to credit Arizona. You have to tip your hat to them, right? Even if you're the Phillies and Rob Thompson does exactly that, but to know that you gave it everything you had, that this is the team that you beat up on in the first two games at your own park and they figured out a way to beat you, and you could generate almost no offense in the second half of this game (laughs) 
what else are you going to do? The Diamondbacks beat them, not just beat them, but limited them so severely offensively that it's almost like it was a different series. And it was impressive, to be sure. It was very impressive um, to see how the Diamondbacks kind of changed, adjusted, even bore down in this series. And the wild swing from the beginning when the Phillies, remember they had a 10 spot? They shut them out in game two, 10 nothing in game two of this NLCS. And while they did lose those two, the first two in Arizona, they came back and scored six runs in game five. They were on the cusp. Which is why I think it's fascinating to think about those upsets that you never see coming. I'm glad Marco Belletti is here in studio because it wasn't that long ago that you made the statement here on the air. And you're not alone. I'm sure there were plenty of people around the country Mm -hmm. making the same statement that the Phillies were going to the World Series and that uh, it was essentially a done deal. I was stunned. I said if they would get a game. I thought this was a four-game sweep coming. Mm -hmm. I'll be the first one to tell you. And so we're asking people tonight about an upset they never saw coming. Can you think of another upset you never saw coming that rivals this one? Because this one surprises me too. Uh, this one's stunning in the way that it happened the, for baseball because the mind is on baseball right now. The first one that I think of, for me, the Reds in 90 when they beat the A's. I do not remember baseball in 1990. Uh, they swept them. That was, that team was a juggernaut, and they were defending champs coming off 89 after beating up the Giants and the earthquake and everything. I, w- I never saw that team coming. With the Reds, you, you knew they were good. They had a good bullpen with Dibble and Myers and Charlton Sabo. They were a good team. The A's were, I mean, they were a, a, a complete juggernaut. 88, they were shocking that they lost to the Dodgers. 89, they win. And then in 90, and they got swept. They got blown out in four games. That one I did not see coming. That's the first one I could think of. Huh. All right. Well, I can't think that far back. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't watching baseball then. That was not uh, what uh, I was doing when I was a kid. <laughs> again, like it, it's to see that. Like, I mean, look, we've seen upsets. We've seen teams. This is different because of the fact that they were down 2 nothing and then 3 2 having to go on the road and win six and seven on the road. Now, I I didn't see the Nationals winning four games on the road against the Astros a few years ago in Mm, 19. That was a good one. But that's a good team. Like, if you told me they won that series before the series started, I'd go, okay, I would would say the Astros are a favorite, but I can see it. They got a lot of good pieces. They got a lot of talent. You can see it. Yeah, but they won 12 elimination games in that run. I get it. And like, but when I look at the team, like, when you say this to the average baseball fan, you would say, can you name five Diamondback players? That's usually like, the, can you name three to five players on this team? And you go to the average fan. The, a- the avid baseball fan can't name five people on the Diamondbacks before the playoffs started. <laughs> so that's the difference to me when you're talking about this. It's You're getting into the realm of 84 wins, and nobody knows who you are. Up and down the lineup. Game seven, you got guys coming out of the bullpen where you're watching the whole series, and you go, who's this? <laughs> it, it, that's the part that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The Phillies are not... A juggernaut. They didn't beat a team. They didn't beat the Braves with 104 wins that won a title a couple years. They beat a really solid, good baseball team that's flawed. Let's be fair. But they did it with a cast of characters that nobody out of outside of Arizona has any idea who the hell they are. Yeah, I love it. I love how young they are. I love that their story is so similar uh, to what we hear from a lot of teams that are battle-tested. And so uh, the fact that they've shocked the baseball world, I mean, it's a big deal, right? Because they had gone through the season trial by fire, as you point out. They weren't a team that even got to 90 wins, for heaven's sakes. 
There's a lot of emotion on this field right now. We have walked a walk that I don't think only but a few people understand. There were some dark days here. So two years ago, we lost 110 games. And to say that we're going to the World Series, you know, 24 months later is uh, an amazing feeling. And I can't quite put it into words. But at some point today, I'm going to slow it down and be able to. But for right now, I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. I think it's really been a group effort, um, you know, players sticking up for players, um, you know, staff as well, and kind of just some of the infrastructure that we've um, developed over really the course of this year to be able to get through those tough times. Um, you know, we were, in a sense, lucky enough to face some real adversity during the season, and so, um, you know, I think that prepared us for, for moments like this. Tori Lavello on Sirius XM, MLB Network Radio, and then Corbin Carroll, who was three for four with a couple of RBI. And I talked about them being a young team, but I just read this stat. 11 home runs by players 23 or younger in this NLCS. 11 dingers by guys who are 23 or younger. That is playing so far over your heads when it comes to the experience. Uh, and yet... Yeah, the way that they played in game six and seven and the pitching just mm -hmm. lights out. And the poise. I mm -hmm. mean, that's the, th the the poise for me that, again, and, it, and it's a little bit of an indictment on the Braves, but like when you saw Atlanta, who won a title a few years ago, against a division rival, they were intimidated to go into Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And this is a team with a bunch of kids. That means you could say, oh, they're young. They don't know any better. Now they knew. They understood it. They got it because they felt the crowd in games one and two, and they were kind of like, whoa, it is, it's big, it's intense. But instead of wilting, Instead of looking at it and going, we're this this moment's too big for us. They were kind of like, all right, we got to we got to feel for it, and that's that's hard to do inside the moment to be able to take the step back and go, no, nah, we can do this. That's hard. I mean, you're not only the two nothing, then you got to go back there and you know you got to win not just game six, you got to win game seven. You know you got to do it one step at a time for a young team to pull this off in front of that fan base, and they turned a raucous crowd against them. All of that raucous. Crowd loud, crazy. Yeah, it got became so quiet. nervous energy. It did, and the Phillies, to a man, felt it. Dread from the third Almost inning dread. on. Yeah, they felt it. <laughs> so, do you think the Diamondbacks over the Yankees in 01 was a was an no. upset? At that point, Yankees were going for what their fourth consecutive World Series. Yeah, right? they'd won 98, 99, 2000. Correct, but no. And look, the 01 team was running out of gas, and they were old. They were old. And yeah. they didn't hit all year. So they were kind of like, the Diamondbacks were a much, they were more balanced, they were a better team, and they had the one-two punch that was ridiculous with Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. The Yankees just had moxie, and they had a lot of guys that had been through it. The fact that that series went seven, to be honest, was a miracle. <laughs> and the fact that the Yankees had a lead in the ninth inning was stunning that they didn't capture it, but that team was on fumes into that World Series. That is a World Series moment that I will never forget. Luis Gonzalez. That that one is permanently seared mm -hmm. in my brain, to be sure. And actually, it's funny that you say 1990, and I respond with, I didn't watch baseball. Because I don't remember a lot of it, but I do remember Kurt Gibson in 1988. Right. I remember exactly where I was when right. I saw that happen. So and there, that was stunning. There is a moment there, yeah. That was stunning. The, the 88 Dodgers, look, I'll be fair. I did not see that coming. I didn't see them coming. <laughs> Wait, how old were you? What do you mean you didn't see it coming? Uh, 11? <laughs> and look. 11-year-old Marco didn't see it coming. I'm not going to. Look, I, I get it. <laughs> when you're young, it's not the same. But I was an old man as a, as a child. Aww. Anybody you could tell me, like, I was. I was that guy that 
four or five years old, was trying to break down the game, even though I didn't truly understand it. <laughs> That's cute. But I was watching every game, and the fact that the Dodgers beat the Mets in 88 was stunning just to get there. And I really didn't think that even as great as Oral Hershiser had been, he had the consecutive scoreless inning streak and all that. And they were good. They were deep. They were solid. He's 11. The A's were amazing. Those teams, I mean, the Bash Brothers were McGuire and Kinseiko. Okay. You have Dave Stewart at the top. You have Bob Welch who won like 27 games in 89. They were loaded. Eckersley in the back. They were loaded. All right, Mark. They were loaded. He's fired so up. So the Dodgers were a surprise, but the Reds, I that one to me, I it was almost like a punch in the face watching that World Series. It, mm. it was stunning. What is an upset you never saw coming? In fact, you still can't believe it. On Twitter, After Hours CBS. Also on our Facebook page. While you're there, you can send your questions for Ask Amy Anything. Lots of Halloween questions, I think, coming in. Always food questions, so that'll be fun. We'll do that middle show, middle hour of this middle show of the work week. Uh, also tonight, the start of the NBA season. So our friend Matt Moore will join us from Denver. He was at the Nuggets banner raising and ring ceremony can you believe it we're off and running so we'll talk burning questions with him you are listening to the after hours podcast here's a pitch and a fly ball right field going over as Corbin Carroll he's under it he's got it and the 2023 Arizona Diamondbacks are headed to the World Series for the second time in their 26-year history. They have upset the Philadelphia Phillies. They come back after losing the first two games here in Philadelphia. They went four of the last five, the last two here at Citizens Bank Park, and they beat the Phillies four games to three, winning tonight's game by a final score of Four to two, and the celebration is on the field for the Diamondbacks. Off to Arlington, Texas, to take on the Texas Rangers in the 2023 Major League Baseball World Series. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I actually taught a class online Tuesday afternoon, or I participated in a class online. It was with a bunch of communication students, radio, many of them uh, trying to get into a career in this industry. And one of them at the very end asked me my prediction for Phillies and Diamondbacks. Now, I said, as I tell you all the time, predictions are just guesses. When broadcasters make predictions, they're either accused of bias a lot of times or when they're wrong, their credibility is tied to it. So I'm very careful about anything that is guesswork, and I try to qualify it that way. But I did say to them, I would be stunned. That was how I phrased it. I would be stunned if the Phillies lost, considering how well they've played at home. And then I use the stat about them having the best home winning percentage in baseball history when it comes to home games. Thus, I am, in fact, stunned that it's the Diamondbacks winning back-to-back games at Citizens Bank Park and quieting that crowd. That stadium was muted, and you can hear it behind the final call on Diamondbacks Radio with Greg Schulte. 
That's after hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. Not sure if you all saw this on social media, but the Diamondbacks locker room certainly knew about Mad Dog's bet, or I don't know who he was betting with, his claim, first that he would retire, and then that he would skip his son's first game as a coach if Arizona rallied to win six and seven. I don't know anything about Mad Dog, really, other than his radio history. I have no idea if he's a Phillies fan. I don't know if he made that claim because he was was betting it. He was so sure. It seems ridiculous to me to bet on something you can't control, but that's what gambling is, right? I definitely would never bet something personal or, or my future on whether or not a team won or lost. But the Diamondbacks, no doubt. Heard it immediately. Immediately. Can you imagine the number of guys whose phones were blowing up with text messages or the audio link to let them know that this national radio host had indicated he would retire rather than, well, he would retire if the Diamondbacks won because he was so sure that the Phillies would not allow that to happen. Rutrow, we'll see whether or not he doesn't follow through and make good on his word. As for Rob Thompson, got to lament the fact that his Phillies were so woeful with runners in scoring position in these last two games and that the pitching staff for Arizona are allowed just three runs, three runs to the Phillies in game six and seven. I think they pitched very well. And first of all, congratulations to Torrey and his staff and the, and the Diamondbacks. It's, that's a good club, and they, they really played well. And you come into this building and beat us twice in, in this type of atmosphere, you're, you're doing some things right, so... Um, but they pitched well. They really did. I like the question that someone posed to Rob Thompson of when he sensed that things really changed in this series. His answer is fascinating. Probably the fact that they got the lead in, in the game, first game back here uh, probably changed the momentum a little bit. They started to run a little bit and started to put pressure on us, and, and uh, you know they started playing their game, and they did a good job with that. So... Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but yeah, but it did change. How about that? He goes back to the beginning of game six, and he felt like the Diamondbacks, who, let's be honest, had nothing to lose. They weren't even supposed to be there. Nothing to lose. So they started running. They started putting pressure on pitchers and, and the defense and decided, hey, if we're going down, we're going down swinging. But no pun intended. But this is painful. And we'll hear more from Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, but how about this from Nick Castellanos? He's lamenting the fact that they wasted this chance. The potential of this team is so much greater than going home before the World Series. You know, last year when we lost game six, I think obviously we're disappointed because we didn't win the whole thing. But there's a lot of there was a lot of like, all right, well we got here. You know, like now now we can build off of that. So knowing how we feel about this team and we came up short uh, from what we did the year previous, I mean, it's a disgusting feeling, honestly. Nick Castellanos, we were destined for so much more. We had so much more potential than to fall short of the World Series. It's a disgusting feeling, honestly. I'm sure he echoes most of that Phillies clubhouse. And it's going to hurt for a while. Hey, the NBA tipped off tonight. We'll get to that next here on CBS Sports Radio. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.